The sermon that you are about to listen to can be found at newfoundfaith.org. Be sure to take a moment to go there and subscribe for email notifications so that you never miss a sermon. Sermons are shared every Sunday by 4 p.m. Eastern. This week's sermon thought, true to our calling. The responsive reading for this week's sermon comes from the second chapter of 1 Peter, starting at the fourth verse and going through the 17th verse, with the key verses being the 15th and the 16th verse. Be sure to pause this audio now so that you can read over scripture for today's sermon. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to share this week's sermon with someone, somewhere. Last week I said that if we want good to be in the world, the onus is on us to bring good into it. I encourage that it is time for us to lift the finger. I encourage that it is time for us to stand true to our calling. Today, I say to you, that we should use the liberty that we have received through Christ by the grace of God for good rather than as a hindrance that would add to the world being such a cruel and unfair place. Our calling is one that we know comes from the Lord. Scripture speaks to how God has called us according to his eternal purpose, according to his will. Now, some will wonder, well, what is this eternal purpose? What is this will that God has for us? Let's take a moment to look at this here. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote, that God has called us to be in fellowship with him as he has always desired to dwell with us, mankind. To the Romans, Paul wrote that the Lord has called for us, mankind, to be both justified and glorified, not by our own works, but to be justified and to be glorified by him, our Lord. The writer of Hebrews wrote that God has called us so that we may receive the promise of his eternal inheritance, not any eternal inheritance that we have come up with ourselves. Now, I want you to understand that the New Testament writers were not making up this will of God. The New Testament writers, they were not making up this purpose for God's calling of us. The writers, they were simply keeping to the invitation that Christ shared when he was in this world. Jesus, he invited all of those who labor and who are heavy laden to come unto him so that he could give all of us so that he can give them rest. That was the great invitation of Christ. Jesus, he also called for mankind to consume the bread of heaven. 
which he said was him, not somebody else. But again, he said that he was the bread of heaven. Not only did Jesus say that he was the bread of heaven, but he also then invited the world to share in with his shed blood that washes away, not some sins, but washes away all of our sins so that we could be raised up in the Lord's heavenly kingdom. So let this be clear to all of you today. Let this be clear to all of us. We have been called by God to an eternal inheritance and eternal calling because the Lord desires for us to dwell with him forever. Now, something that we should understand about this eternal calling is that this calling, it comes with a calling of its own. It comes with a calling for us to share the Lord's call with all of those that are around us. In other words, this calling is one that requires us to put our faith into motion. This calling is one that requires for all of us who genuinely believe today to put our faith into action. I tell you today that we must move in our faith. Did you hear that there today? As shown in the Great Commission where Jesus tasked true believers, we are to baptize in the name of the Father. We are to baptize in the name of the Son. We are to baptize in the name of the Holy Spirit. We are to teach others to observe all things that he, Christ, commanded us to observe. Again, we are to move in our faith. Jesus said that we are to baptize, that we are to teach. I tell you today that that is a motion. Teaching is an action. It does not sit still. Do you hear me here today? In the first of our key verses today, we will see Peter touch on the concept of being true to our calling. Peter encouraged that it is the will of God, we will see said there, that we do good by putting to silence the ignorance of foolish men. We cannot stand by, nor can we sit still, nor can we remain quiet to the foolishness of ignorance men that brings harm to souls. I'm in the second chapter of first Peter, by the way, to be foolish. Solomon said was to choose not to fear the Lord and choosing not to fear the Lord. The fool is one that ignorantly chooses to despise God's knowledge They choose to ignorantly despise God's wisdom and God's instructions. Mm -hmm. And we have seen this in our recent Sunday school lessons over the past month or so, that it is truly foolish 
to choose to disobey God's instructions, not for some of us, but his instructions for all of mankind. Let us remember that the wisdom of the Lord comes with knowing of his calling of eternal life Mm -hmm. and how we can become a part of the Lord's heavenly kingdom. In our recent Sunday school lessons, again, we have seen just how important it is for one to choose to be obedient to the Lord's instructions. Failure to keep God's instructions, they can have serious and very tragic consequences for us. Because the fool choose to despise God's wisdom and instructions, they ignorantly choose to go in their own way. And in going in their own way, they remain as sinners. In a couple of his proverbs, Solomon shared, there is a way that seems right to a man. But its end is the way of death. It is the way of destruction for one's soul. I tell you today that God has not called for us He's not called for anyone. God has not called us unto death, but rather the Lord has called us unto eternal life. If we move to silence the ignorance of the fool, if we move to silence the ignorance of the sinner, then we stand true to our calling. Mm -hmm. We would be able to fulfill God's will of saving souls. Mm -hmm. Are you standing true to your calling today? When Peter spoke about our true calling of being called by the Lord, we'll see Peter state there in the ninth verse. Mm -hmm. Peter stated that we are a chosen generation that we become part of a royal priesthood, Peter said. We become part of a holy nation, Peter said. And then Peter said that we become part of God's own special people. We who genuinely believe today, we become a chosen generation. We become a part of a royal priesthood. We become a holy nation. And again, we are again God's own special people. Something that you and I must understand today is that we, by accepting God's call, we are a special treasure in his eyes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As that special treasure, we are to proclaim the praises of him that Peter says there in the 10th verse called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Again, I say to you today that we are now the chosen people of God who have obtained his mercy. So again, we must answer a question. We must answer this today. 
What are we doing with the mercy and the grace that we have received from our Lord, our God? Well. Now, we know that we are supposed to be doing something with that grace. We are supposed to be doing something with that mercy that we have received from the Lord. I believe today that we know exactly what we are supposed to be doing with that grace and with that mercy that we have received from God. But the question is today, are we doing what we know we are supposed to be doing? Are we standing true to our calling in this world today? What are you doing with the grace that you have received from God? What are you doing today as a believer with the mercy that you have received from God? Are you moving in that grace or are you standing still or are you sitting down on the Lord today is what I ask you. Are you being true to your calling from the Lord? You will often hear me teach and preach about the way that we, the true believers, are to go about conducting ourselves Mm -hmm. as we carry out the Lord's will. Mm -hmm. Now, some may ask, well, why do you focus on it so much? Why do you preach about the way that you as believers, why do you preach about the way that we as believers, why do you always talk about how we are supposed to conduct ourselves in the world? Well, the reason why this is such a major point of focus for me is because I consider all of what God has done for us. As Peter said, God, through his grace and through his mercy, he called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Don't you believe that that is something wonderful that God has done for you? Don't you think that that is something special that God has done for you? You see, I say to you today that, well, if you believe that it is wonderful and if you believe that it is special and that if you believe that you are abiding in this marvelous light of the Lord, then don't you believe that you should conduct yourself as if you are living in that marvelous, in that wonderful, in that special light? And if you believe that you are abiding in it, if you believe that you are living in that marvelous light, don't you think for a second that you should act like you are living in that wonderful, in that marvelous and in that special light of God? Don't you believe you should conduct yourself in that way? I tell you today that the way that we conduct ourselves, it should be just as marvelous as God is marvelous to all of us who genuinely believe. There is a way that is proper for us to go about carrying out our special calling in the world that we live in today. In the second of our key verses for today, we'll see that Peter encouraged us not to use our liberty as a cloak, that is, as a cover. He said that we should not use our liberty as a cloak for vice. 
for wickedness. He said there in that verse that we should use our liberty as a bond servant, as a servant of the Lord, our God, is what Peter said there. So because we are free from sin, we ought not use our freedom to go out and to continue to live in sin as if it was no problem. You see, there is a major problem with going out and saying that you are a genuine believer, but you are out there living as a sinner. There is a major problem with doing this because we are supposed to be servants of the Lord. We are supposed to be servants of God. Should a servant of God be out in the world living as sinners? Should we be conducting ourselves as sinners in the world? God, I tell you today, and I've told you this before, and I will tell you again in the future as well, maybe even next Sunday. God is a righteous God, isn't he? His works within us, aren't they righteous as well? Yes, they are. So as servants of the Lord, we stand as a testimony of both his work and his fellowship with us. We stand as a testimony of God's grace. We stand as a testimony of God's mercy. And again, I tell you today that we stand as a testimony of God's righteousness. As a living testimony of the Lord, the way that we conduct ourselves and the relationships that we develop with those that are around us, they speak louder than any sermon ever could. Do you understand what I just said to you today? Did you hear exactly what I just said to you today? If you didn't, let me repeat it one more time for you so that you can hear it and so that you can understand exactly what I just said to you. As a living testimony of the Lord, the way in which we conduct ourselves and the relationships that we develop with all of those that are around us, they speak louder than any sermon ever could. Words, they are powerful, but our living testimony, I tell you today, it is far more powerful than any message I could ever preach to you. People tend to believe what they can witness and what they can see more than what they can hear from someone somewhere. That is why our testimony, our living testimony is so powerful because people are going to see you as an example of God's grace, his mercy and his righteousness. Are you conducting yourself today as a living testimony of the Lord? That is what I'm trying to get to today. Think about that for a moment here today. With this in mind, again, I believe the answer is very obvious when it comes to the question of how should the believer conduct him or herself in our world today? 
we must, I say today, we should be conducting ourselves. We should be standing true to our calling that has come from the Lord, our God. The moment that we fail to stay true to our calling is a moment that is not pleasing to the Lord. The moment where we fail to be true to our calling is a moment that can hinder and even hurt those that are around us, especially those who may be weaker in the faith. So again, I say to you today that it is time for us as believers to be like our Lord. It is time for us to be faithful and just to ourselves. But it is also time for us to be faithful and just to all of those that are around us so that we do not hinder or bring harm to our soul and to their souls as well. So the question one may ask is, well, how do we go about being more than fair? How do we go about being faithful and just to all of those that are around us? In the 14th chapter of Romans, we see that Paul wrote in his letter to them, the Romans, he wrote about the law of liberty. In other words, Paul, he wrote a how-to guide, if you will, on how we, the genuine believer, how we should move and how we should act in the liberty that we have living under the grace of God. This chapter of Romans, it opens up there in the first verse with Paul encouraging the believer to receive one who is weak in the faith. To, in other words, accept one who is weak in the faith. Paul says, but not to disputes over doubtful things. This thought that we see Paul focusing on here is about how we go about looking at and how we go about judging each other. How we choose to judge one another, it has played a major role in shaping what our world is today. This is to say to you that we, mankind, when you look at our world, we have done a very poor job at looking at and judging each other. As we saw in my sermon last week, there are many people who live their lives with a mindset built on a foundation of selfish ambition and conceitedness. You recall that one who is conceited is one that thinks more highly of themselves than they do others. Conceitedness and hate is what led to oppression. Conceitedness and hatred is what led to suppression that we have seen in the past. And I would say to you, it's still present. It is still clearly present in our world today. All we have to do is just look around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's still here. Mm -hmm. The mindset of superiority, the mindset of selfish ambition, the mindset of conceitedness is still in our world today. And again, we wonder, 
why our world is so cruel. We wonder why our world is, is so unfair. Just look around at our society. And the answer is very clear. Now, the one that professes their faith in Christ and follows in his way ought not be conceited in their hearts. You see, the two ways, they, they just don't mix together. The way of Christ and then the way of being conceited. You see, the way of Christ is for those that can humble themselves just as he himself was humble. What this means for us is that we, the genuine believer, we must move and therefore we must judge with lowliness of mind rather than with a conceited mind. Just imagine how the conceited mind judges others unfairly. So to be true to our calling, Paul encourages us to have a mindset that receives those who are weak in faith. We shouldn't be thinking so high minded against those who are weak in faith is what Paul is saying there. The one that is weak in faith, we must understand, is not necessarily speaking of one being weak in their knowledge or on truth. Uh, it is not speaking of, of them being weak in that circumstance. This person, they, they may have understanding in truth. This person, they may have understanding and knowledge. However, there is hesitance and there is doubt in the manner in which those who are weak in the faith move. They often stumble. Those who are weak in faith, they often falter. And, and we should not judge them again with such a high mind as if we ourselves, who may be strong in the faith, as if we don't have moments where we stumble or where we falter. Because you see, all of us stumble and all of us falter. That is the truth. In this passage of scripture, Paul, he used the concept of what one would choose to eat as an example to explain how our judgment should be fair for those who may be weak in the faith. You see, by this point in time, God had gone over what one could eat with Peter as shown in the book of Acts. Peter questioned the Lord because eating what was considered to be unclean was a sin to him and to the Jews. However, the Lord said to Peter that what he had cleansed, Peter should not call coming. Some of the Jews, however, they chose to continue eating what was coming for them to eat according to tradition. So Paul, he said there in the second and in the third verse there in the 14th chapter of Romans, for one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats for God has received him. That's what Paul said there. In essence, both parties we see there in the second and in the third verse, both parties will end up judging each other and thinking that their way was the right way 
and the other way was the wrong way. They would end up judging each other as being weak in the faith. However, notice here that Paul said that the Lord would judge both parties. He points out that the Lord would receive that God would accept both parties in, in the way that they move. So should we judge each other any differently than the Lord would judge us? Absolutely not. I heard it. Uh -uh. We, we shouldn't do that. Notice there in the fourth verse in the 14th chapter of Romans. Notice that Paul, he, he follows up with a question where Paul asks, who are you to judge another's servant? This was Paul asking, who do you think you are to be able to judge a servant of the Lord? Who do you think you are? Do you think you are the Lord? Do you think you are God to be able to judge someone? Frankly, as Christ said in his own words, we cannot, nor should we attempt to judge someone if we have not gotten the speck out of our own eyes. Yet, with that being said, it certainly hasn't stopped us from doing it, has it? It hasn't stopped us from judging each other, especially the one that proclaims to be a child of God. You see, that old child of God is typically the first one in line to judge somebody, ain't they? We'd be the first one in line to judge somebody else for their sins before we even take a gander, before we even take a look at our own sins. How is that being fair? How is that being true to our calling? In that same verse there, in the 14th chapter of Romans, We'll see that Paul said that one's own servant or sorry, one's own master will be the one that decides whether his servant stands or falls. What this means is something that you and I, we already know this very well. We know that only God can judge. We know that God has the final say. I don't have the final say. My uncle here doesn't have the final say. Andrew's sitting back there. He doesn't have the final say. God has the final say. The Lord will be the one to decide whether one stands or whether one falls in the end. Not us. God, you should know, is the righteous one that is more than able to make proper judgments because again, his judgments are righteous. His judgments, they are true. If we want to be true to our calling, this is a truth that we must come to know. This is a truth that we must come to accept as well. Once we can come to know, once we can come to accept this truth, then we can properly move about, moving true to our calling without being a hindrance to all of those that are around us, those who may be weak in the faith and even those who may be of no faith 
at all. Rather than looking to see how we can judge those that are around us, what we should be doing as believers is moving with a lowly heart to receive and to help uplift those who are weak in the faith and even those who are of no faith. We should be seeking to help. We should be seeking to help uplift all people. As Paul said, we should not be spending our days disputing and arguing the errors of another. What good has ever come from beating someone over the head over and over and over again because they have faltered and because they have erred? What good has come from doing that? None. Even the harshest of parents come to the realization at some point that if they truly want their children to grow and to succeed, whoopings can only go so far. Teachings have to come in at some point to show them a way that is better so that they can learn and so that they can grow up. That's something that my dad had to learn himself. At some point, my dad just got tired and said enough. I'm I'm just going to show y'all how you supposed to do it. And that was the best example that my dad showed for me and my brother. In a verse that you often hear me uh, reference, we see Paul encourage believers there in the 13th verse not to judge each other anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. I have referenced this scripture so much throughout the years solely because many believers have developed such a toxic and conceited mindset to where they aren't helping. They're just dictating and commanding. For far too long have believers done nothing but beat up and tear down those that are around them. Some will say that they are merely carrying out God's will and that they are being true to their calling. But if it is a work that is tearing someone down, if it is a work that is not offering a helping hand, I say to you today that it is not a work being done in the name of God. You are not standing true to your calling. I tell you today that this is a work that is being done in the name of one's own conceitedness, that it is a work that is not standing true to your calling. If we are going to rebuke someone today, let us do so in a manner that properly offers a way of correction by helping to uplift and by helping to show someone God's way. Our goal should never be to hurt or to hinder others in their walk, but to help and to encourage them go along the right way. To be true to our calling, Peter said there in the second chapter of first Peter and in the 11th verse, Peter, he begs us as sojourners and as pilgrims in the world to abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. 
Again today, we are testimonies. We are testimonies of God's grace. And the last thing that we should want to do is portray a false image of God's amazing grace. As Peter said, we should not use our liberty as a cover for vice because our testimony would be hypocritical. If we, the believers, if we were cared about in wickedness rather than that which makes for righteous living. How could we ever expect one to turn to Christ when we are behaving just as wickedly, if not more wickedly than they are, than a sinner? How would that even be fair? How would that be fair to them? So to those in Rome, Paul encouraged and said, let us walk properly as in the day. Not in reverie and drunkenness, not in lewdness, not in lust, not in strife, not in envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Peter encourages us to let our conduct be honorable. He says there in the 12th verse, And even in the 17th verse as well, Peter said, let our conduct be honorable among people, honoring all people, loving the brotherhood and fearing the Lord is what Peter said. Again, I say to you this week that the onus is again on us to bring good into this world by being true to our calling so that we can be more than fair to all of those that are around us, so that we can be faithful, so that we can be just in our calling, a calling that is given to us by the Lord, our God. I know that we are able to do this through what scripture has shown us today. You and I, we should move with lowliness of mind, not as a conceited person that would do nothing but harm, bring harm and hurt to others. Mm -hmm. They would do nothing but in the end, push others away from the Lord. We should move with lowliness in teaching. We should move with lowliness in preaching. We should move with lowliness, showing others the way of God through his sound and righteous doctrine. Lastly, our conduct, should be honorable that if one would speak against us, Peter, he he tells us there in the 12th verse, he tells us there that the only things that they will be able to say about us will be about our good works Mm -hmm. that we are doing in the name of our Lord. Peter said that they would then be glorifying the Lord themselves Mm -hmm. in their speaking against us. Mm -hmm if we are simply standing true to our calling. You see, we should be moving honorably today Mm -hmm. by unconditionally loving all people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is a thought that Jesus expressed perfectly to us when he asked the disciples, if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. 
Jesus, he said, if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? He said again, do not even the tax collectors do so. The tax collectors, they were essentially representative of sinners. Sinners, they go out and they can love anybody. They, they, they go out, but they love those that are just within their inner circle. Jesus tells us to do more than just love those who are in your bubble, who are in your inner circle. Anybody can do it, but they won't. The believer should do it. Do you get that there today? You see, we we should move with the kind of honor that would go the extra mile. Jesus, he again encouraged whoever compels you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to them who ask you and from him who wants to borrow from you. Do not turn away is what Jesus said. Are you giving of yourself today? Again, are you being true to your calling from the Lord? You see, this way is the way to be true to our calling, a way of love and a way of humility. Should we live in a manner or in the manner I have shared with you today, then we would live in a manner where all are honored and treated fairly. God has given to us the instructions to follow so that we can go about making this world a better place. All that we have to do is follow his instructions. You see, it begins with us today. How can we expect it of anybody else if we aren't doing it ourselves as genuine believers? I encourage you today to stand true to the call our calling that has come from the Lord. We can start off in our homes first, then we can move into our community, and then into our society. And then we can take this honorable way of living to the rest of the world. And by doing this, I believe that we can make the world a fairer. I believe that we can make the world a better place. Amen. 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 Thank you.